ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Notre Dame found out the Cardinals do have teeth after all. USC's defense can't wipe a runny nose with a pallet of Kleenex. Mario Cristobal was kicked out of church for refusing to kneel. Clemson's 4-2, and two, and life is good. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben. Hope you enjoyed our PG dad jokes this week. And we are here to recap Clemson's victory 17-12 over Wake Forest. Ben... Not the most prolific offensive game we've ever seen in our life. 17 to 12. What a stupid score. I mean, it's really just a maddening score, no matter which way you look at it. Yeah, um, I agree. So I started drinking again um, <laughs> on the podcast. So I'm just tired of being yeah. bored, bored to death talking about um, what you know, wide receivers right? that can't catch or get open or block or quarterback that's not executing or a run game that can't get anything going or offensive lineman that can't run block. Um, did I hit, did I hit on everything? I think you got the bingo to be honest. All right. So congrats okay. to you. Take a sip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Turn into a drinking game. Yeah. I mean, this game, this game had a lot. It was, a, I guess you could call it entertaining on a rewatch. Um, defense played outstanding football. I think we, we're pretty much at the halfway. We are at the halfway point of the regular season by way of record and number of games they'll play. So I think we can reflect a little bit across offense, defense, special teams in terms of, you know, who's maybe better than expected, which groups maybe are less strong than we expected. So we can do kind of a mid-season check-in here. Um, but no, I mean, the highlight, high-level takeaways for me in the game is we really expected coming off of Syracuse and Florida State and just, you know, a Wake Forest team that was really lower ranked than Syracuse in every aspect of, if you want to look at advanced stats, offense and defense. Um, Clemson coming back to Death Valley, I think we expected this offense to click um, as it did for a lot of that game against Syracuse. And coming back home, you do have a young team. Hopefully in, in the friendly confines of Death Valley, we would have expected that team to bounce back and look competent but I think just as we have learned with this whole season to temper our expectations we're just we're just so ready to see this team put up 40 45 points every single week um it was not meant to be so uh but the other headline for me really though is a dominant defensive performance and this is not the wake team with Sam Hartman um Dave Clawson does get a lot out of the talent that he's able to recruit to wake but still uh, this was a really solid defensive performance, I thought, um, especially because there were some things that had to be cleaned up after Syracuse. So um, you take the good with the bad with this one. Always good to get a win. And I don't know. This probably, Ben, is a bottom two ACC opponent that we will have on our schedule, though, if you kind of add it up across the whole season. 
So to not really put them away and to have this come down to really that very end of the game yet again, um, sure was not fun on Saturday. No. And I, I, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, last episode, what I was hyping up or what was hyping me up coming into the Wake Forest game was, you know, after seeing the, the mounds and mounds of progression uh, or perceived progression that we got out of the Florida state game. And then you follow that up by not having a letdown game, you know, mm. at noon on the road in an environment with poor air quality and no cellular service um, <laughs> yeah. and still take care of business. I was expecting us to really come out in this weight game and the offense just to continue on clicking um, and put up a lot of points and, and blow them out and put them away early. I think I even predicted possibly 28 to 35 to nothing uh, or three or something like that at halftime. Mm-hmm. Well, the defense did their part, but the problem is the defense is not sexy in football. You know, it's great to have um, really excited about their continued progression and, you know, Wes Goodwin's second year helming that side of the ball. But on the offensive side, it's just really uninspiring. It was just such a gut punch to see such a, pedestrian and boring game like Jarrett showed up um towards the end of the first quarter and he got there he's like what I miss and it's like absolutely nothing I don't even know I've been watching the whole time and I have no clue what I've what like nothing stands out um so uh, clearly a lot of things to still work out on the offense I think part of it is we expected Garrett Riley to come in here and really be able to turn things around right away very excited to move on from DJ and to see what Cade could do, but it's it's becoming more clear that it's just going to take time. And Garrett Riley said it himself. This is actually very interesting. This in this post game um, interview or a couple of days after or something like that, he made you know he alluded to the fact that you know we are who we are. These are the players that we have, and you know what that's telling me is that we just don't have the personnel right now to go out there and dominate on offense. Star quality has been there, but I think it, again, points to a lack of development and a lack of coaching or recruiting misses. You know, the the offensive line is littered now with four-star guys, you know? Right. Uh, four and, you know, uh, what, wasn't wasn't Leia five, maybe? Um, and the fact that Mitchell Mays is a senior, four-star, like, yeah, having to put uh, – Sadler in, right? Uh, well, Sadler's at left tackle behind Lay, um, Sewell. Oh, yeah. Harry uh, Sewell. It, it right, right guard. Like, it's like, okay, just rip off the band aid and leave the kid in there. At least if he um, messes up, that we'll, we'll know sooner <laughs> if he's not yeah. going to be good. <laughs> right, right. Or he'll get better sooner. Like, you could respond in, yeah, you could respond in recruiting at that point. Um, yeah. And that's the offensive line. I mean, we can get down you know get dig deeper into that but yeah just in general it's just very uninspiring offensive play and hopefully maybe we can chalk that up to them looking ahead to the break uh, the bye week this week and you know having you know been maybe a letdown from the non-letdown i mean is yeah that a thing? i mean maybe it is that but right. um honestly um the the data that we have <laughs> Does not lead me to believe that because we weren't exactly killing it, you know, before Florida State. So, yeah, yeah, I I don't really believe it was a letdown after a non-letdown. Um, I think it's just who the team is at this point. Um, I guess Ben, like, what do you? How do you feel about Garrett Riley talking about personnel as what we would chalk this up to? I think that's 
like, um, I don't know. I think a coach, like you want a coach to kind of praise in public, criticize in private. And again, he's not saying like, I got a bunch of scrubs in the room over there. I think it's like the, and it was asked through the lens of difference with TCU, not what's wrong with Clemson. So we should, we should bear that in mind here, but um, I don't know. I, I could, I could detect maybe a little bit of a tinge of, I don't know that this is what he necessarily signed up for, but at the same time, you're kind of, you gotta, you gotta cook with the ingredients you got sort of thing. So. Yeah, it um, was, it was interesting to, to hear him say that, you know, before that I was kind of asking myself, I'm like, okay, now we're six games into the season halfway through the regular season. Can we start um, judging Riley now? In his offense. Right. When, yeah. And then, you know, he comes out and mentions that. And you know what? I'm glad he did. It's about some time somebody told us the truth. Because <laughs> Davo is <laughs> yeah. going to do it. And that just leads us to speculate. It's like, come right. on, man. Just, just tell us what it is. Like, the players know. The players know. You don't have to say it in a bad way. It can be constructive criticism. Um, right. That'll at least, like, give the fans something to chew on. And instead of uh, making stuff up in their minds, like Davos controlling all the play calling and stuff like that, which I don't think is true. Right. Uh, but good. I'm just glad somebody's being honest with us. You know, I do wonder, um, Davo, him increasingly more and more just not criticizing at all in public. I wonder if it's because maybe the kids on the team now, like they, they did away with the not being on social media thing years ago. Right. And that was never a Davo enforced policy. Sure. That was a team decided upon policy, but this we're talking about 2015, 14, 15, 16, like that's almost a decade ago, you know, more than half a decade ago. And, and things are completely different now. Um, even social media has changed a lot since then, but you know, the kids have access to every little quote that's taken out of context um, most likely, you know, as it spreads throughout the internet. So, I mean, I can understand that part of it, of, of kind of keeping your lips sealed, but, um, right. Thank you. Thank you, coach Riley for, um, uh, yeah. supporting well, our theories. <laughs> and you know, you know how we, I would love to speculate on this show, Ben, um, at least I do. And I mean, is there some degree here of him, planting a seed for if he does decide to move to greener pastures after the season makes it less awkward at the time if he makes that decision. But I, I don't know how I expect this to play out the rest of the year. And in terms of Riley's tenure as the OC, I think if Clemson, let's say we go four and two, the rest of the way you lose to Notre Dame, you maybe drop one to North Carolina. I, I honestly think Clemson's going to either go undefeated or lose one game. Like that's, that's really where, where my gut is after having seen, Miami and some other teams this weekend. Um, I think UNC looks good. I think we can handle Notre Dame. Um, but either way, like, I think, I don't know that Riley's put enough out there to be like hired as a head coach after this season. Now, if he decides to leave cause he, he wants maybe a different system or personnel or like holistic team and program to go be a coach at, like I maybe could see that playing out. I don't think it's going to be because of any success he's had at Clemson. No, absolutely not. And really, still, when you look around college football, you know, what teams out there would he leave Clemson for? You know, there's not a lot that um, where, where the job is, you know, more right. elite than, than, you know, even what you had at Clemson right now, even with the, the past few years of mediocrity um, or uh, relative mediocrity to what we're used to. 
Um, so I think there would have to be some really just him being unhappy and disgruntled and yeah, was sold a false bill of goods when he, when he came here. And again, I think that's all complete speculation. I don't think you read in between the lines of what he said. I think, you know, he was asked a direct question about the difference between TCU and Clemson and he gave a honest answer, um, which yeah, is it, great. I love right. it. And, yep. you know, I asked you guys, I was like, okay, can somebody go back and look at the TCU roster? Like how more, much more experienced was that TCU team? Even if they didn't have the star rating, like experience matters. Experience and playing together with within the quarterback that was there, Max Duggan, or however yeah. you pronounce his last name. I, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure those wide receivers last year were like three plus years experience on the team. So, yeah, um, and like a fourth or fifth year three star plays like a second year four star a lot of times, you know? Mm hmm. And those are like Texas three stars. So they're probably pretty damn talented. Yeah, and everything's bigger there. So, <laughs> Um, well, maybe sticking with this specific game, how it played out offensively, just a, a really uninspired kind of lack of lack of energy and cohesion in the first quarter. Ben, this was the first, I think they flashed the stat in the game at the start of the second quarter. First game for Clemson since 2014, like October 2014, with no points in the first quarter. I think that was probably the Georgia Tech game. Maybe it was like early November 2014, uh, if memory serves. And ouch like that's to go you know break in a nine-year streak of kind of having some effectiveness in the first quarter and it's not like wake's defense are world beaters either by the way so i know they've had some stars like single select stars over over time um, and there were some dudes who i think played a you know punched above their weight in this game but really to me this was about both a combination of o-line not being able to get get a push for the running game and then just some some really weird Cade, Cade stuff taking place uh, with poor throws. Obviously, the uh, the fumble comes to mind just in terms of the um, misconnection with Shipley so on the the RPO. Um, I saw a tweet. Forgot who did it. Sorry if this was you. Um, just talking about like why are we still running RPO with Cade? Like it doesn't doesn't seem to be clicking. Doesn't seem to be working. Yes, he can make the right decision sometimes, but I think. Like, is there an opportunity just to simplify that aspect of the play calling and just sort of stick to, I mean, maybe go play action instead of an RPO look, you know, if you want to fake the run, but. I think you got it. I think you have to test his limits. I mean, he's still a young quarterback and, you know, again, would we have been asking that question had Clemson won this game, you know, 34 to 12. <clears throat> right. Yeah, if he connects with Brown early on in the first quarter, like I think Brown had like an open field ahead of him. Yeah, and it wasn't all yeah, him. Yeah, probably not. There were some drops in this game, so it's not all him, but he's still a young quarterback, and you know everybody wants to see the Garrett-Riley offense, and if the RPO is part of the Garrett-Riley offense, then let Garrett-Riley run that, right? We just need to get the players there. Cade started seven games now in his college career. We are getting to the point where we're going to be like, okay, okay, let's, uh, you know, take that next step. And hopefully that happens at Miami in a couple weeks, week and a half. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's, I, I have a hard time still, again, when I went back to ask myself the question, is it time to start criticizing Garrett Riley? Like, I'm still not there yet with, with the play calling. I do believe more to his point that <laughs> it's the, the guys trying to execute this place.
I think I think you're right, and just the holistic offense, and we won't beat beat a dead horse here, but. Um, the lack of offensive line push in the running game, like not be, you know, I mean, Riley talked about running the dirt rate at Clemson. Pretty sure he was banking on the ability to um, move the chains, win in line, win in the trenches, or at least, you know, keep, keep defenses honest. And that just really hasn't been the case, especially on the right side of that line. So um, we've already said it. We won't, we won't drill it into the ground too much, but um, that's, I think as much why, why this offense isn't clicking. Uh, but yeah, Cade also seemed to take somewhat of a step back in this game. I think you saw a really solid play from him at the FSU game. And maybe Ben, this is just like thinking about the opponent, like how, you know, we, we ask how will he perform under the bright lights or at least, you know, with the, with the national spotlight on the team. And I thought he had a, a really good game against Florida state. Obviously there was the overtime play that we all want to forget. I don't really hang that fumble strip sack touchdown on, on Cade as much. Um, in the FSU game, but fast forwarding. And I thought in Syracuse, he handled a, a loud, noisy, signalless uh, road environment fairly well. Maybe no, this too. is just, yeah, maybe this is just, um, this could just be kind of young guy, like playing down to the opponent or thinking he could play down to the opponent. Well, it's interesting. And I said, I wasn't going to, uh, you know, blame it on the play calling, but you know, I look at Cade's stats, 18 to 28, which is a 64%, um, clip uh passing or completion percentage like that's really good you'll take that any day of the damn week uh but a 4.7 average yards per pass that's abysmal so you know was it just those 10 passes he missed all the downfield passes uh that we're missing out on and only completed the shorter ones was it why were we not throwing the down downfield more is it still because of the wide receiver core and and issues there you didn't see you know um Obviously, Antonio Williams not in the game, but he's he shouldn't yeah, be the downfield true. option anyways. But Randall didn't really make any of much of an appearance if he played at all in this game. Um, Bo Collins, you know, not a lot downfield. His you know 10, 10, 10 yard average per per reception, but only a long of sixteen. So it was like the things that they were doing well before coming into this week. Everything just went away, and it just went back to to the the last two years of Clemson offense and football. Um, whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, just not averaging a lot per play, unable to get like the third and shorts or putting yourself off schedule, uh, with second and longs and third and longs and not being able to convert. It was just the same things over and over again. Um, that that you saw in this game uh, that we've been so used to seeing. And we hope, we hope we were turning the corner from that after the Syracuse and FSU games, but it's clearly not the case. And fumble, bad luck, reared its head once again in this game. Um, we mentioned the Cade one in the red zone in the first quarter and Tyler Brown in the punting game. Um, so just continues. I, I'm sure they're spending time in practice during the week, you know, on, on sure hands drills, things like that, but um, doesn't seem to be making a difference. So, Well, and um, as much as we've raved about Tyler Brown, like he didn't have a good game. We need to point that out. Um, it's also a true freshman. So yeah, I'm gonna have those. That's right. I think just from like a game script with all the disastrous stuff that went down in the first quarter, just from like three and outs to the fumble right in the red zone to um, off of that fumble and the, the stop right at the goal line by the defense. You know, we have a short field. Offense doesn't quite go three and out, but pretty much, you know, drive fizzles out. They have 
um, Aiden Swanson's like worst punt of the day and wake able is able to get a little bit of a return on that. And then um, they ran like one play and they're right there in the red zone and they got three points out of that defense did a great job early on, like holding wake to three points and two red zone trips, including one inside the one yard line uh, or the five at least. And, you know, without that, maybe a more competent offense, then we're in a world of hurt in this game, especially with what we saw the rest of the game. Seven to three at halftime. Yeah, come come on. Uh, And it really, I mean, what it really probably all comes down to, we talk about the the passing game and not being able to pass downfield. I think the pass blocking was good. You know, no sacks on the game. And then Wake's offensive or defensive line, and they only had two tackles for loss the entire game. Um, but when you can't establish and get that run game going, then, you know, that's going to be an issue because that makes you one dimensional on offense. And then teams are going to be able to to more easily defend that. You look at the final average in this game, it's 4.9, a rush. Will Shipley was uh, 5.1, a carry. Moffa was seven, but a lot of that came on like two drives in the second half. Um, it still really didn't result in that many points. (laughs) So, Yeah. Um, yeah, it was tough. Yeah, so those were a little bit skewed. So when you can't get that run game established and going, I mean, and, and again, you mentioned the dirt raid. That's what he came in here to do. And I'm going to say it, like, for the first time, I'm really starting to buy into the offensive line is just broken, at least in the run game. It's just pretty abysmal. I think the last year, over the course of the season, both got better. I think the pass blocking was much better at the end of the year and throughout the season. I think the pass blocking this year has been good, uh, but the run blocking has, yeah, I think just been terrible. And I think opposing defenses have seen that. And the more games you play and the more evidence you have to, to prove that this offensive line cannot run block, then teams are going to just sit there and rush like three or four and put everybody back. Yeah, you, you don't need to really stack the box then. So, um it's tough, and Clemson does have some of its hardest defenses on the schedule yet to come. Notre Dame, NC State, even Miami's is okay. So, unless they're, you know, defending a, a pass play with five seconds left, you know, to Georgia <laughs> Tech, uh, they're, they're pretty good other than that. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be tough. Um, and then there's only so much, like, shifty Will Shipley can do or Phil Maffa. I mean, he seems to be strong yards after contact, just like ETN was. But, you know, again, only so much you can do when there's three linebackers taking you down. Yeah, and I'm still still questioning why Maffa isn't getting more carries. I know he's slow. He runs like a 4.740. But I just feel like his patience for the hole to open up and his vision is, is much better than Shipley's. Shipley just runs right into like right at the back of his offensive lineman or just right into to to stuffed holes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that that distinction between the two guys. Um sorry I, I sure. made myself laugh there. Maybe it's the drink. Um <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so I still question more why you why you don't get Moffat some more carries. I mean his average per carry this year is much higher than Shipley's and I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, maybe it's just us grasping for straws trying to make up and really, you know, trying to figure out another excuse and hide the fact that maybe the offensive line is just really terrible at run blocking. Yeah. There's the 
the phrase goes Occam's razor, which is often the simplest explanation is usually the correct one, which is just if you do have a, a tough, tough weak link, you might call it in the offensive line, the rest of the offense isn't really able to live up to its potential. So um, we'll have to see if they can get improvement either from, look, to your point earlier, getting guys like Sewell in there early. Um, I don't know what's up with Dietrich Pennington's progression. I Nothing. Don't know I mean, have you, have you seen him? I've seen him nope. like once in CSU. Uh, we haven't seen Ryan Linthicum. He was a highly touted center. Um, he may have been a package deal. Didn't he go to the same school as Brzee? I'm not sure. But, um, you know, again, you know, four-plus four star center recruit out of Maryland or Virginia area. And I don't know why these guys aren't developing and progressing to the point where they can contribute on the field. <laughs> um, I know it takes some time for O-line, but this is like their third season. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're three years with, with Lay, Tate, four for Trent Howard, three for Pennington. Um, Putnam's been here since yeah. Barack Obama was president. Uh, Linsicum, third year. Mention Howard. Mitchell Mays is a senior. Yeah. John Williams hasn't played. He's been here four years. I mean, it's just there. It's there. It seems like it's been plenty of time. So I've kind of been saying, let's give Thomas Austin more time. I don't think he's had long enough, but now I'm starting to be like, okay, all right, where is it? Yeah, he was also bringing here the four star and last... five star guy in, guys in, and we've been recruiting better at offensive line than we have in you know my memory right and the results still aren't there so it's yeah. on either um one or the other or a combination of um evaluation you know, evaluation or, and recruiting or just poor coaching yeah development yep that's fair um i would say i mean we we have a running tally of sort of coaching decisions that i think Dabo has ahead of him and weren't we saying we chatted over the weekend, Ben, you know, with the exception of Eason and Reed, none of the assistants got raises this last off season. A lot of them were renewed on one year contracts. Yep. I don't, I don't know which of the coaches are not on that one year contract type of a setup, but um, clearly I think Dabo and probably the athletic director and the board were really like, that's great. Garrett Riley, here's all the money to hire him. But He's one assistant on the whole staff. So um, it's going to be a lot, lot to look ahead to in the offseason and talk about. Um, by the way, just like incidentally, I might as well plug this in here. Brent Venables, head coach of Oklahoma. Um, awesome win versus Texas. And I think we saw their goal line stand on defense. That was cool. But the play that really stuck out to me was when their transfer starting left tackle blocked two Texas Longhorns single-handedly on the game-winning touchdown. Two pass rushers, one tackle, block, got the guy enough time to throw it, game-winning touchdown. Transfer see, portal. See? It can't be that hard. <laughs> and now, what I will say is Oklahoma's offensive line coach has been there for like a decade. So he's, he, he was hired by Stoops, stuck through the Lincoln-Riley years, stuck with Venables you know, through that regime change. So that guy's got a ton of continuity and experience there. And he was under like the Mike Leach regime. So he's kind of like a, a spread offense type of O-line guy. Um, but man, I mean, 
let's get that kind of guy. I don't know. I, you know, if, if we do move on from Austin, um, I don't know why we didn't let Garrett Riley kind of have some, some say or some influence over, over O-line, but I also understand Dabo wasn't going to make like a wholesale change as some of these coaches either. So. I don't know, man. Sometimes I, that would have definitely gone against Dabo's philosophy, but it's not uncommon to hire a new coordinator and then allow them to, to set up their staff. Right. You, know, you may have a couple guys who are like, they're untouchable work with them. Um, but, you know, otherwise, hey, maybe you know of a better wide receivers coach. For your system. For, exactly. For instance. <laughs> yeah. Just naming one. One potential position group that could need some help. So, um, all right. We've, you know, trashed on the offense a little bit here. Uh, we can maybe move it along unless you have any parting thoughts here, Ben. But um, Tight ends, yeah, like, just still very underwhelmed by Jake Brenningstool. And I think that's another key um, to all of this. It would really enhance our passing game. And you just have – he had the big drop in this game. Like, yeah. you, you just haven't really – just has to play better. Like, yeah. I, I read a thing, like – Let's just start Ennis and look like Sage Ennis, solid tight end. I think he's he's playing well for for Sage Ennis's talent. But Jake Brenningstool is like a top eighty-five recruit, you know, coming in. That dude, like he, you know, we just need to see more more from him. And I don't know if in all the games this season they've really dialed his number up too much, but probably a reason for that. And then you you do have some of these key moments where there are drops. So, well, I mean, Jake's got tied for the. Um, most receptions in the game with Bo with five. So he got targeted, obviously he had the one drop. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. so we just need, there goes the Kyle Richardson, you know, where we've seen the de- development out of the tight ends. Um, hey, did you see Brock Bowers? That guy that made that Venables, speaking of which wanted us to, to take the Dabo didn't come back and see him anyways. Um, yeah. And then lastly, Hamp Green still has the best catch on the team this year, but you know what, Ben, let me, let me stop way, you right there. Wait, let me stop you right there. Close. Don't, that was a two handed catch. Go back and watch the highlight. He did not OBJ that one all the way, all the way down. It was two handed. I'm not saying I could do better, but it was a two handed catch. Okay. I'm not trying to bring the kid down that low, you know, credit <laughs> where credit is due. It's still the best catch I've seen on this team this year. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, when you're in a game like this and, you know, yeah, the score is close. We're one play away from losing the game, and it's yeah. like having Denoff and that cornerback in there towards. Well, we'll get to the defense, but yeah, it's just like I know we had some issues with our cornerbacks and some uh, Avian Terrell, right? In, yeah. Injuries in this game. No, it wasn't Avian Terrell, it was a freshman. I can't remember his name, um, like Lewis. Um, okay. yeah, a- anyways, yeah, I don't hint greens in there then what about brandon specter like why like i just i don't get it is is he really better than randall being out there then something's wrong something's really really wrong if you're having to rely on hamp green good for him happy for him wish i got to see him play more in the fourth quarter when we have a huge lead right that seems like the appropriate moment um yeah, I don't have an, I do not have an answer for you, Ben. I also would say who should we be getting the reps? Hamp Green or maybe a developmental freshman that we're trying that can help us long term. I think that's another part of this season for me that 
has me scratching my head a little bit on the team. Well, I don't know about this long-term thing anymore when kids are just going to transfer if they're not getting playing time. You yeah, know, what's long-term that's, anymore? That's fair. Um, so why not put them in? Again, why not get them in? Like, show them that they have a future here or see who you have. That's my point. Like, I I don't need to see more out of Hamp Green to know what we have in Hamp Green, I guess is my point. Just tell Tink Kelly to run to an open spot on the field. Let's see what happens. You know, just outrun somebody and see what happens, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just whatever. Or the Noble Johnson, you know, get that era started. I just – I don't think those are um, – those are like red shirt defense type things. Cause to your point in the transfer portal era, like those days are over. I feel like if a guy's got, if a guy's got talent, I know NC state was trying to like protect their highly touted quarterback with like the red shirt. Um, I also find that to be comical. Um, if that guy's as good as you say he is, like you got to get him in there. Or he's going to transfer to Alabama in one or two years. You know, there's really only been one quarterback taken from the portal last year that's been worth anything, and that's Shadur Sanders. Mm. So, you know, this yeah. is both both sides of that. Hartman hasn't really wowed. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, let's wrap it on the offense there, and let's move it over to the D. We talked so far, Ben, about the defense having a really strong start to the game in the first quarter, despite some short fields. So credit to, I think, the honestly, the leadership and the tenacity on that defense and Wes Goodwin as a coach, you know, didn't didn't let that adversity get them down. I know they played with their backs against the wall for a lot of this season. So that experience helped them there. Um, the, the crowd was also loud at 3.30 on a Saturday at Death Valley. So credit to the fan base as well. Um, but I thought, Ben, overall, I mean, this was a pretty – there were definitely some some head-scratching coaching moments, which we alluded to a little bit right there at the end of that offensive segment. But for the most part, I thought this was a really stellar defensive effort, especially when you consider Clemson was out its two starting cornerbacks in this game against who, a quarterback who I thought was fairly – he wasn't a great passer – uh, Wake Forest quarterback, but he he was elusive and he was tough. And, you know, that kind of combination can sometimes come back to bite us. And I thought we didn't let um, Jones being out for an undisclosed situation, probably some type of illness, and Wiggins is not back yet. You know, letting those guys, or, you know, seeing those guys out, I thought Mitch Griffiths had the chance to potentially have a, a good game and, and hurt us, and he really wasn't able to do that. Well, Wake Forest is missing a couple of things on offense. Obviously, Sam Hartman from last year, and then also the wealth of uh, wide receiver talent um, yeah, that they have. That you know, e- even with all that, you know, Griffiths um, passed for six more yards than Cade did in this game. Um, but yeah, the defense has been the bright spot, obviously, of this team this year after that uh, slow and shaky start against Duke. You know, it seems like a lot of those things have been. Um, improved upon by leaps and bounds. The tackling could stand to still improve a little bit. Um, and, you know, we're occasionally still giving up some big plays in the passing game. But overall, you know, this this team is giving up um, not nearly as many big plays on defense as we've seen the last, you know, couple of years 
um, with this Clemson defense. So I think there's certainly been a proof that that plagued us mightily last year. Wes Goodwin has focused on that. He's adjusted. And that's really, you know, made a big difference in this defensive unit this year. The one thing the defense hasn't been as good on as we're used to seeing under Brent Venables defense is the short yard situations. So, you know, that's, that's, that's still been an issue, but you know, in this game, four sacks, eight tackles for loss, um, six pass deflections. Mm. Yeah, pretty so, good. I mean, um, and yeah, I think and great, great, great game for the defense. Again, I wonder why Denoff and Lewis were in there on that last drive where Wake scored the touchdown. Um, I think at that point in the game, it's still 17 to six, right? There's still time left. Like, obviously, they scored that and then got to go for the onside kick. And if they get that, then you're down five with a chance to drive and win the game. And how devastating and what a disaster would have that been? You know, that's how close we were to losing this game. Yeah, easily, right? Um, or if one of those first quarter, you know, red zone trips results in a touchdown and then they wouldn't have had to go for two, they would have been able to kick for one. So, I mean, there's a lot of coulda, shoulda, whatever, or might have beens, but I still think just from a coaching and game situation, put the damn game away. Like, this is not the game to empty the bench like that. Um, I don't know. Again, I think I'd have, we'd have to go back and look at the numbers. I think there were some injuries in this game to the to the cornerbacks that may have forced the hand with Lewis out there. Kate Denoff, though, I'm not exactly sure why we're seeing so much of him out there. But anyways, let's let's yeah. stick to the bright spots of this defense because there certainly were a lot. R.J. Makins had a hell of a game. I noticed him more than I probably have ever noticed him um, yeah. in a game during his career. Toriana Pride stepped in there and had a really good game. Um, the linebackers have been solid. We saw a lot more Khalil Barnes in this game than we did again in the Syracuse game. Um, you know, TJ Parker continues to really impress. So, I mean, the and future is still Cuba really had a, had a fumble touchdown, if not for the guy being down. Um, yeah, but definitely, still. definitely down. Uh, there was no question about that, but you know, love to see the awareness and situational ball Johnny on the spot. Yeah. But this, I mean, this defense has been tight. You know, and yeah. there's a lot of a lot of young talent that is going to um, keep it at an elite level, you know, moving into the future. But also this year, like this is something we can really rely upon. If the offense can just get any semblance of a heartbeat or consistency going, then we're good enough to win some really big games um, because of how good this defense is. So and I, I know, Ben, you mentioned his name earlier in the show and you've been beating the drum all year for Wes Goodwin. I mean, Wes, Wes is our guy. Like, he's he's a sufficiently good defensive coordinator where he can take the talent that we have, mold that, turn that into a, a top-five defense. I think if you can retain his services and Nick Eason, Nick Eason gives you that living room presence in recruiting. And seemingly, Clemson, just from an organizational standpoint, has the defensive talent evaluation to really find the winners, find the TJ Parkers, um, everyone knew Peter Woods was going to be good. And look, TJ Parker was also like a highly touted recruit, but um, Clemson went all in on him and that has sure worked out. So, yeah, I think the um, Goodwin experience is, is working so far. He needed a little bit of time to get acclimated to it. But remember, Venables wanted to take him with him to Oklahoma. You know, Tony Elliott wasn't trying to take Grisham with him. Um, not that it would have helped, <laughs> but 
Um, yeah. You know, this is a guy that was, you know, despite his, you know, nobody knowing about him and his kind of experience in pedigree in college football isn't anything to write home about. Like the fact that the brightest of the bright minds are like one of the best, if not the best in his era, defensive coordinator in college football, Brent Venables wanted to take him with him. Then that, that said something right. And for Dabo to go out on a limb and give him the reins to this defense, um, you know, I mean, if, if anything, Ben, or like Elliot wasn't like, trying to I'm take gonna, Streeter with him, I guess is a better yeah. comparison to Griffin. Uh, I'm going to take some of our own criticisms of Dabo down a peg by saying, he hired Wes Goodwin. Wes Goodwin has NFL experience as an analyst and a, you know, a scheme design guy. Sure. He, he also in his role was like a championship level contributor to, to Clemson, um, which is not true of some of the other position coaches, some of the other assistants, but I actually think Wes Goodwin was the hire. And again, look, he was never a defensive coordinator, never actually a play caller, so to speak. So there's a big learning curve with both of those things, but seemed like it was about a one season learning curve for him. Yeah. So. And, and there's always risk, right? That when you're taking on guys like that, it's the same thing with streeters, the same thing with Grisham or any other guys that didn't have any really real coaching experience before Devo hired them, which that's fine. The risk is fine. And in, in when it's in, you know, limited amounts, right. When it's a guy here or there, but when you're doing that with three quarters of your coaching staff, you know, you're going to have one or two hits and the majority, if the majority miss, like you're still a net negative. Wide receivers, offensive line, running backs, tight ends. ends. Those four position groups really haven't been power five, had not been power five coordinator or power five assistants in their positions. Uh, prior sa to getting safeties, Mickey Kahn. Yeah. So I just mean on the offense, like, and we're kind of seeing some results and look correlation isn't causation necessarily, but um, yeah, it sure seems, seems to be related. I mean, that makes you just realize how asinine it was when Streeter was running the offense last year. You add that to all those names, like nobody knows what the hell they're doing. I mean, yeah, not at yeah. that level with that level of experience. That's right. So, um, Defense, on the other hand, I mean, yes, you've got some guys that didn't really have that, like, strong pedigree before this role. But, um, and again, like, it's funny that Lemansky's Hall name gets thrown into that mix. But yet he was um, a coach on this staff, like, really during the Power Ranger era as well. So, um, anyway, I think it's just, like, convenient to be like, oh, he was a Dabo, someone that knew Dabo before he got head coach. Like, let's criticize that and lump it in. But, um, anyway. Yeah, I think we're content with the defense performance against Wake. Good season so far. You hate to see that type of a, a quality defense um, be here with a team that doesn't really have it. I mean, I, I guess we do have a shot at making the ACC title game, Ben. Yeah, and I um, think, again, taking it all into perspective and context, like this one game did not put us in any different of a position or situation than we were after the win against Syracuse or heading into the win against the game against Syracuse, right? We're still in the same position. Um, we still control our fate to the extent that, you know, from the last time we talked about this, we haven't lost a game. We can still win every game remaining on our schedule. Um, yeah, 10 and two is still viable at this point. Yeah. And yeah. if you do that, 
you know, right now that may not sound exciting to a lot of people, but if you do that from this point moving forward, ending up 10 and two, having beat uh, 25th ranked Miami on the road, 21st ranked Notre Dame at home, uh, 12th ranked North Carolina at home, and you throw in, you know, always fun to beat North Carolina states and South Carolinas, like you're going to be pretty happy at that point if we get through the rest of the schedule at 10, 10 and two, right? Whether or not we go to an ACC championship game. Absolutely. It is looking increasingly, increasingly less likely the more we watch Louisville play. Yeah, and it's I think us not making it at this point, like, is completely due to the Duke FSU losses and not like I don't know, not not necessarily anything as much down the stretch, but Louisville and Duke, like the, for the stars to align for those teams to lose five games between them. Um when they when one of the matchups that both of them have is against each other, like that seems that seems like too much. So, well, right. And you still, it, what, need four losses? No, because Duke still. Yeah, you need Duke no, to no lose three. Duke, Duke needs to lose three because they have the tiebreaker head to head with us. And then Louisville, we would need to at least match them with our two losses. So they need to lose two. And of their remaining ACC games, one of them is Duke. So, Did you say Louisville? You're so from Louisville. 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 Louisville Slugger. Louisville. Louisville slugger. Louisville. I don't know. Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> um, I did mix in an Ohio Louisville in there. That's true. I mean, I don't want to go over this again and name all the ways that I think Louisville um, can lose. Oh, yeah. Two we won't games. play the game. Because it's not going to happen. Two. You look at the schedule. I mean, they've, yeah. I mean, okay. Let's talk. If they lose against Pitt somehow this weekend. Okay. Letdown game against beating Notre Dame. Maybe, maybe that happens. Um, then let's talk because they'll have to play Duke and at Miami. Then at that point, I think we need them to beat Duke and lose to Miami. But right, that's right. And then Duke, Duke needs to lose to Florida State, which could happen easily. And then you need Duke to lose to UNC, which could happen easily. So um, I'll be watching that Louisville Pitt game closely if if I get the CW network. I'm. Not sure. If that <laughs> need to figure that out. I don't know if I've had that since like the mid '90s, and I was watching like um, Dawson's uh, Creek. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that uh, hanging with Mr. Cooper or something like that. Right. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Allie McBeal. Um, well, Ben, uh, Clemson should get Nate Wiggins back against Miami, and also Antonio Williams. Both going to help quite a bit. That Miami team, I think, also has a bye. They're going to be angry coming off that loss that they had. I don't know how much that matters. Also, their stadium is not a home field advantage. Um, I think if Clemson was like a top five opponent, you might see Miami fans like come out of the woodwork, but they're not putting the jorts on. They're not putting the turnover chain on. They're not coming out for an unranked Clemson. So probably going to be a, a road home game for us. And to get those two guys back, you know, arguably two of the of the best playmakers on both of the sides of the ball is going to help. Um, and then it, we just hope hope the best for Sheridan Jones, regardless of football status. Hope he's healthy. Hope he can bounce right back because um, he's he's a guy that came back to play football this year. I don't know what his NFL prospects would be, but wish him the best. Um, and a guy, Jalen Phillips, I think he's like a quiet. He's maybe not the defensive MVP this year, Ben, but he's definitely a guy that's been a really solid contributor. Um, I think he had a dislocated shoulder in the game 
um, something along those lines. So Dabo said he's like nursing something, but should be fine. And again, it's a bye week So hopefully that extra rest that he'll get will help him out. Yeah. You just pop those things back in. They're good as new. Yeah, that's right. Ligaments repair themselves in no time. hundred yeah. percent. Um, well, Ben, let's move it over to special teams. Aiden Swanson, I think, I mean, he had what, like a 55 yard punt in this game. I think his average for the season is mid to upper 40s. Um, just really, really solid out of Aiden Swanson. Um, he is a senior. Let's see. Can I look up his average here? I don't, there's not really a, uh, oh, this is great radio, right? Um, they don't have stats for, for college. 45, 45 yard average this year. You know, he had 42 last year. Um, God, he's been our punter since he's been punting at Clemson, I should say, since 2019. Um, but he was really kind of a backup capacity in 1920 and 21. So really just his second year full-time starting. Um, and he presumably will be done. So again, 45 on the year. Um, he's just been really solid. So oh, you take that, that any day of the week. Yeah. We've well, been happy since... in moments with, with an inept offense occasionally. Yeah, I mean, ever since Pinion, we were just happy for over 40 yards, a punt average. Um, he's placed a lot of balls inside the 20, uh, pinned a lot of people deep. Yeah, I mean, it's especially when, you're, when your offense isn't um, explosive and really moving the ball and you know, necessarily flipping the field, um, right. or at least getting us, at least, at least when you are having to punt it, like, you know, at least moving into their territory and being able to pin them deep, having a guy back there that can really put the people with his leg is certainly helpful. Um, the, we, yeah, one, one for two on field goals again. Okay. So at this point, Ben, we're about a 50% team at this point. Yeah. I, I think it's time. Look, love the Jonathan White story. Uh, for the Florida State game, I think it's time to get RG3 his reps and develop him for the future. I just don't understand what the what the point is here. Well, because if it comes down to it and the game's on the line, don't you still want the guy in there that has the highest likelihood of making the field goal? <clears throat> Maybe if we get three losses, it's like, okay, whatever. You know, yeah, like, like I guess if, if we're South saying Carolina. if we're saying we're still in the running for the ACC title, and put the best guy in there, and this is against you know UNC when that's basically what we're what we're staring down. Like, yeah, I, I think if I you're know. mathematically eliminated, you've got to put <laughs> your best out there. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll agree with that. That's fair, but I'm this close. Which is being also like, why. You know, which is also why Cade didn't get a lot of experience last year because we were yeah. eight no and sticking with DJ. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's and that's probably the on paper the right way to do it. So it's a double edged sword. I'm just a, an antsy fan here because again, like Robert Gunn has the talent. I think he needs the reps. He needs the real live action reps, and it, we're gonna be in the same situation. We're giving a guy reps. It's not the long term answer at a position where we really need someone to contribute moving forward when, when stuff does, we, we hope counts quite a bit more. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. 
this one's this one's been tough. Uh, we mentioned Tyler Brown had a fumble. He had a couple punt returns. We had no kick returns. I don't know how our, that's possible. Our special teams has well, they kick it out the end zone every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was like fair catches and whatnot. So and our, our special teams has been abysmal all around. Um, I mean, on yeah. on average, at least. I mean, obviously, we're good under Potter. Um, right. But I don't know. Right, maybe right. time to have a coach for that. I think so too. I think so too. Um, yeah, it's really disappointing. Maybe you don't need a wide receivers coach, and you can just have a special teams coach. Sure. Dabo can coach him, right? He's a former receiver coach. He'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, didn't Venables coach the linebackers? Yeah. Saban coaches the secondary at Bama. So. Does he really? I did not know that. Yeah. I think in the last couple of years, he's actually had, for the first time ever, an actual assistant coach do some of that. But that's his, that's his claim to fame. And Dab, uh, all this money, he's only holding one position. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, that's the Wake recap, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let's see. You know, Wake is a program, Ben, that I think that they need to have that Sam Hartman type to really – you remember guys like Riley Skinner. Like, pretty much every decade, they seem to get a guy that is really solid quarterback, you know, would play at a lot of other schools by the time Dave Clawson, in this case, um, develops him into what he what he has been. Um, we're going to get to face Sam Hartman with Notre Dame, so we'll see how how good he is. But um, you know, this is Wake. The last couple years has been feisty. They went to the ACC title game in twenty one. Last year, we remember we went to double OT with them back up in Winston Salem. Um, but this is a, a step back type of a Wake team, and. You just really would have liked to see more than a 17-point offensive showing against them. I'm, I like the 12-point showing by the defense. I think that was more on our defense and less on, like, Wake's talent, to be honest. But um, just overall, like, you, you're happy to get the win coming out of there. Didn't feel like the most enjoyable win, just based on some of the mistakes that you saw in the, in the, in the game. But um, it was still, you know, it's still Clemson football game. We're in the season these days will it's going to fly by. We're already halfway, halfway done. So um, you, you go into the bye, you get to watch some other football this coming weekend. And then we get Miami on the road. I, I do think that game is highly winnable. They have a pretty potent offense and a, a veteran quarterback. So we are going to need to see the best of that Clemson defense show up down there in um, wherever the dolphins play. I forget the name of the city, Miami gardens, something like that. But um, I'm not really taking a ton of lessons away from this weight game, Ben, to tell me how I think we're going to do the next six games. Yeah, I think it's probably best to just put this one out of mind. And if you need to, if this, the rest of the season continues to look like this, then you can go back and kind of circle that one. But hopefully this is just kind of an outlier. I mean, yeah. you mentioned Dave Clawson, uh, you know, whether or not Wake's talents there, you know, they're going to be a really well-coached football team. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, yeah. as we've been mentioning, is one of Clemson's weak spots. So, but hopefully it's an outlier. The guys are just kind of looking ahead to the off week and they're going to come back prepared. It's our only back to back road games this year uh, Miami, followed by NC State. And then you follow that up with a home game against Notre Dame. We mentioned this at the beginning of the season. This is the toughest part of our schedule. Yeah. Um, I agree. And so I think we're going to, you know, after. November 4th, we're going to know a lot about this team, hopefully, 
at most you come out with one loss. Um, at worst, you're probably coming out with two losses. I don't see a loss to NC State. Um, but at right. best, looks really there good. You, go. you know, yeah. that, that that looks like a seven and two football team who's beaten two ranked teams, or at least two ranked teams at the moment, and is going to be in the top 25. And I, I don't like saying this, you know, due to personal connections and other reasons. Like, I think if you got to drop one the rest of the way, you want to drop it against Notre Dame because um, it doesn't hurt us in the ACC title chase. And yeah, well, yeah, I guess it depends then again if we're mathematically eliminated at that point. But, I, you know, I was in South Bend last year when we lost. I'm going to the game this year. Like, I don't. No, we don't want to lose that. Selfishly, I would like to see a win. And Notre Dame isn't exactly inspiring me with their play on the field, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense is really good. But, you know, Sam yeah. Hartman, Sam Hartman. Yeah. We handled him back in 21, Ben. That was like the game that I thought Clemson played the most, pretty much the most complete game of that season was against Wake Forest at Death Valley yeah, um, against Sam Hartman. Played them with the but... Notre Dame offensive line or – no, we didn't. We did not. Um, it's a good point. And honestly, running backs too. So my hope for that game is that there is an edge to the, to the Clemson team looking for some payback and revenge and just knowing what that type of a win would do for just the program spirits and honestly, national relevance in the conversation. We'll see if the coaches get up for that one now. <laughs> point um yeah again after that game could be seven and two could be five and four i think seven and two then we're ranked the rest of the way right um obviously unless you lose but to get back to ranked and again you know clemson's got the got the stats profile at least on the defensive side to be flirting with a rank you know you could you could argue that they should be ranked not with the inconsistency on offense like i don't think the the Wake game. I think there was a chance for Clemson to step through that door if we had handled Wake and put up a crooked number. Didn't happen. Therefore, I think it's you know you you probably have to pound Miami to be in that conversation. And who cares? I can't believe we're talking about can we get ranked? <laughs> it truly doesn't matter. I kind of like that we're like fringe not ranked you know leaning on the not ranked side i'd rather be that than see us lingering around like 23 24 25 that's, yeah that that's this so, reminds me so of the, like us you know it, yeah that's right it, this reminds me a little bit of the middle bowden years where anytime clemson would come into the preseason ranked in the top 15 it would always be a disappointment and then anytime we would start the season like not ranked or the maybe closer to 20 to 25, like Clemson would punch above its weight. And maybe we're back in that territory. I don't know. Again, top, top five of bus for me. Yeah. That's when I start to look at the rankings pretty much. Ben, are you watching any games this coming weekend? I'm yeah, going to watch actually, UW I Oregon. I'm going to just kind of sit around all weekend and like just passively watch college football, which I think is going to be great. Now that we know the Clemson game, but the USC Notre Dame game, I think it's going to be a big mm -hmm. one. USC um, finally going to play a defense. Um, and they've yep. just been, you know, daring people to beat them all year long. That Miami North Carolina game 
Um, UCLA, Oregon State, DJ, hey man, credit to him. He had a great game last weekend. Um, yeah. They're five and one, ranked fifteenth. UCLA, um, they're playing them at home. They're ranked eighteenth. So, I mean, I'm pulling for DJ. Keep going, man. Yeah, keep doing. Wish do him the thing. best. I'm not pulling for him to fail. Like I've been honest this season. I don't think that I've seen a lot of any difference from him. But played a lot better last game. Um, so good for him. I hate to say it. I think we're pulling for the Wolf Pack against Duke. I think that'd be that'd be nice for the Clemson ACC title game hopes. Not nice because I don't want good things to happen for Dave Doran in his life, but that's you know. fine. They already they already suck. It doesn't matter. We know they suck. Um, yeah, that's fair. And we'll, uh, but we'll no, a lot of to, interesting yeah. stuff. I mean, Louisville, you gotta you gotta cheer for Pitt. Yeah, this that'd weekend. Be good too. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched at least through the first quarter. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, for me, the game of the week and everyone's going to talk about it. I think game day is going to Seattle is Oregon, Washington. Um, neither team known for its defense. Although I think Oregon's a little bit more solid in that category. Washington seems to have pretty much a top one to two explosive offense. And it's not, obviously Michael Penix is amazing, but it doesn't seem so much like where in USC's case, it's the quarterback just making everything happen. I think for Washington, it's really, they have stud wide receivers. So That'll be a good one. Um, if you are into betting, I think that over-under of 67 feels really low. How about Florida at South Carolina? The line is South Carolina minus two. That's wild. Um, we were talking about it, Ben. You're asking, like, is there any chance Napier is out of a job? And I don't think so. He has a really strong recruiting class sign coming in this next year, and they beat Tennessee who, you know, is like the number two best team in the SEC East, distant behind Georgia. A&M um, gave Bama a run. They played Tennessee this weekend. So let's see how long that lasts. Yeah. I just think for Florida, like, if they lose to South Carolina here, and if Florida drops one or two more losses, like, some of that stuff can really ratchet up quickly. I still think Napier is safe, but um, sure would be interesting to see that. The reason is DJ Lagway – is a five-star quarterback recruit who picked Florida over Clemson for this year's class. If Napier's not a solid choice there, you know, if they fire him, all bets may be off on that recruitment. They fire so. him. Dabo hires Napier. Lagway. Full circle, bitch. To Clemson. There we go. Go Cox. I don't know what role we would want. <laughs> go Cox. I don't know what role we would hire Napier to be, but... Especially considering I think he swung at Dabo before he left last time. We'll have to see. But hey, Chad Morris is back. Why not? Hey, brings Lagway. Do it. Yeah. Anyways, I mean it's kinda it's a great it's a great bye weekend for Clemson football. A lot of other entertaining games, a lot of other storylines going on. You know, it's a fun time of the year, middle of the season. Um, things are always shifting. You're getting closer and closer to the first college football rankings. So yeah. Good time of year. A lot of good games this weekend. 100%. Should be fun. Um, all right. Well, uh, you know, we're going to take the bye week. I don't think we're going to do a show next week, everyone, so you get the week off from hearing of our, our sunshine and just, you know, a lot of positivity here on the show. Um, thanks, everyone, for sticking with us this season. We will be back with the Miami recap. Jarrett will be back, too. Apparently, he's taking a trip to Texas. Not sure why, but... Um, 
safe trip to you, Jared. I'm sure you'll be listening to us here. Uh, but yeah, we'll get the crew back together. Ben, any parting thoughts before we wrap it? Yeah, man. I've got some shout outs to give. It's been a while. Oh, let's do it. We finally got ourselves some new iTunes reviews and got a couple cool comments. They're nice, very, very nice comments from Big Boy Bubby um, mm. after the uh, Dustin Black episode. So we're sure that's probably Dustin Black's um, burner tunes handle. But hey, we appreciate Shout it. Shout out to and, Dustin. Shout out to Bubby. And then uh, All Sham No Wow, the Wows with two Vs, because apparently um, somebody took All Sham No Wow with a W at the end. Um, <laughs> but no, I think thanks to both of you guys or gals, who knows, um, for the comments and for the five star review. Really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, for everybody else, you know, this is totally spiel, but you know, go on social. Yeah, uh, get on the socials. Find Leave us. a review though. You you too may get shouted out. That's a good way to do it. We are nothing if not shills for our own reviews. So I mean, to be shouted out in the most listened to Clemson podcast in our family's households is a lot, and you know it says a lot. And you could be that person too, right? Shout right. us out, then tell your parents about us. Take their phone, show them how to download the, how to get the push notifications for the app. And then if you could go on there and write a review for them, for us, because they're not going to figure out how to do it. All right, Ben, last gasp for your Braves coming up. Wish you you and Cody and all our listeners like the Braves luck against the Phillies. Format um, is bullshit. <laughs> Dodgers yeah. gone in three, okay? Um, Orioles gone wow. in three. I think it's like... Wildcard teams are ten and four in the division series. Like the layoff is stupid. Like it's so it's not just me as a Braves fan, right? Like these other teams are losing too, and so you're going to end up with like an Arizona Texas World Series. I hope for the love of God for Rod Manfred and his job that you get that World Series because of a stupid idea. You think that I, mean, I don't really trading? hope that yet because the Braves are not out. But if the Braves lose, right. Go Spencer Strider, Clemson guy. Yeah, I guess of the final four that would be remaining, it's going to be Arizona because Philly's a bigger market. And then you got what? Yeah, Houston's been there. I mean, that'd be pretty boring, but probably Texas. Yeah, who knows? Thanks for ruining our life, Rob Manfred. Never thought I would ever ask for Bud Seeley to come back. I want a commissioner that lets the steroid guys into the Hall of Fame. Like, go ahead and, you know, call that era what it was, but it's silly. It's just a messed up sport. Let's stop talking about baseball. I know I brought it up. All right, cool. Thanks everyone for listening. We made it this far. We appreciate that. You know where to find us online. And as always, go Tigers. (laughs) 